Brilliant. So we're at episode 51 of Friday Night Counter-Attack and um, we're on the second week of the international break, which is coming up to an end now. Uh, a couple of surprising teams have hit the playoffs. Some of them you thought would have, you'd have expected them to qualify automatically, but the likes of Italy, the likes of Portugal in the, um, in the playoffs. But we've got Scotland back in the playoffs again, potentially at a World Cup. And we thought it'd be a good time to get um, a conversation with one of our fellow um, football podcasts from Scotland. So we've got Scott from Club at 22, a fellow football podcast. They're very specific on their Rangers content, which is good to hear. Um, Scott, thank you very much for joining the call. Salem, thanks for coming back on the podcast as always. Um, how have you both been? Scott, how have you been so far? This yes, week? yes, good, mate. Um, still getting over the, the loss of my manager, I think you call it. But no, I've been really good. Uh, looking forward to this, looking forward to having the conversation. Um, I'd love to say that I, I particularly care about Scotland making the the uh, the playoffs. I don't really care about Scotland international football, which is probably a shock for a lot of people to hear, to be honest. But it's not really been my thing for pretty much my whole life. There is really only one team for me. Uh, but no, it's an absolute pleasure to be on here. I'm looking forward to getting into it. So cheers, mate. Oh, nicely done. Salem, how are you doing this week? You okay? Yeah, good, thanks. So exciting times considering the amount that's changed since the last podcast. I did say that Dean Smith did deserve more time and Obviously, I'm sad to see him go, but we've got a new man now. And yeah, just can't wait for the journey to begin. Nah, it's going it's to be a fun journey for an Aston Villa fan, um, like yourself, Simon. But it's going to be a very sour journey until you get a new manager in, wouldn't you say, Scott? I mean, you've had Steven Gerrard for a, a good number of years. And um, looking from the outside in, like for me, I'll only watch um, Rangers games rather when they're in the Europa League or when they're playing Celtic, to be fair. And out of the two Glaswegian sides, I'm more of a Celtic guy than a Rangers guy. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have said that, but it's just the it's just the fact that like like when I went to Glasgow one time, I visited the Celtic store and my mum got me one of those, you know, those welcome to Celtic type shirts. That welcome to Glasgow shirts with the Celtic badges on. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I like Henrik Larson, Scott uh, John Hartson, they're decent players. And then I'm just there like, I'll never need to go to Ibrox again. But I'm like, this Rangers side were really good under Stephen Gerrard. They're a fun side to watch. Um the 4-3-3 that they played as well. Um, I think they had like two number 10s behind um, Morelos once mm-hmm. upon a time, which was really fun to see in the Europa League and especially last season's campaign where it ended so bitterly against uh, Spartak Moscow. But um, what can we kind of expect from um, Premier League fans um, for uh, Steven Gerrard in the Premier League tactics-wise? And what did you kind of enjoy from his time at Rangers tactics-wise as well? Yeah, well, tactics-wise, he completely overhauled the way Rangers were currently as a club, as a football team, on and off the park, he really did. We were in a, a pretty poor place when Gerard decided to take over. Um, I remember getting told that it was going to be Steven, Steven Gerrard about two weeks before he was appointed. And uh, I didn't believe it was one of my friends. I was like, I don't believe you. There's like, There's no way it's going to be Gerard. That's a massive risk. But the stature of the man, everything about him, um, I completely bought into. Uh, I think a lot of Rangers fans bought into it. He definitely developed from the kind of when he first started to take over to uh, from when he left or from when he was leaving. It was a he was growing as a manager. You could very much see that he was growing as a manager along with his tactics. Michael Beale is another one that he's going to fill yeah. with um, uh, with Gerard and Michael Beale is a he is a, a he's a bit of a wizard. I think when it comes when it comes to tactics, he's a, a very intelligent man. <clears throat> I generally think he could get a job at any football club in the world if he wanted to. I think he is a 
I am probably, if I'm being completely honest, I'm probably more gutted that I've lost Michael Beale than I am that I've lost Steven Gerrard, no matter how much I love Steven Gerrard. But in terms of the way Rangers played, very attacking, very, very high press from the front. Um, definitely the, the, the two number inverted tens that you were talking about. He would play that sometimes, um, mostly in Europe, but he would also like to use the, the overlapping fullbacks um, in order to get crosses into the box as well, which works when it works, it's beautiful to watch. It's, it's very, very attractive football. And I would expect from Gerard that he won't really change his tune. Um, he kind of sticks to a plan and this is the plan we'll do. Towards, towards the end of his career, he had started tinkering a bit with formations in terms of maybe Rangers dropping to a 4-2-3-1 instead of being an actual 4-3-3 for certain games, for certain times in certain games. But... Um, it's very attacking football. He is very ambitious. I feel like I'm repeating stuff that Gerard has said himself, but uh, he is very ambitious. The way he's left me will leave a bit of a, a bit of taste in my mouth, to be honest. Just the timing of it wasn't great. I always knew Gerard would move on, um, but it's happened. It's happened now, and we always we have a saying um, for for our team uh, for for Rangers is that no man is bigger than the football club, and we stand by that. Really, uh, we there's been. There's been many before Gerard, and there'll be many after him. Um, it hurts just now, yes, because we've not got a new manager in, but that'll soon fade. But congratulations to Villa. I think they've got a right steal. Yeah, that's yeah, something so, that I'm looking forward to as well. Sorry, Salah. I was going to say, yeah, Salah, no, I want to hear your thoughts on it. I just want to add a quick point on um, Michael Beale that you were talking about. I think there was a quote from Gerard saying that even if he was to coach for 20 years, he still wouldn't reach his level or something that, you know, he's that advanced and sort of technical in his coaching. So, yeah, that's another one. That was one that a lot of Villa fans were sort of intrigued in, whether we would get him in or whether he would stay at Rangers. And obviously, he's coming with. So, even happier, to be fair. Are they taking um, Gary McAllister as well to Aston Villa? Yeah, he's, he's come back. He was with us about 10 years ago, I believe. Yeah, he, he was there once upon a time. So, that's going to be another uh, return back for the Premier League for Gary McAllister as well. Um but no, it's like with watching Rangers in the in the Europa League as well, like I was saying, I was quite happy seeing like James Tavernier doing really well. The free midfield would do all the jobs needed in the midfield. Like there was no egos in that team, which is what I really liked about that side. Like especially watching some of the midfielders in there just doing all the dirty work. And under previous management, they would barely rub they'd barely get a game in there as well. But Salem, just going back on what um we just heard from Scott, what from there kind of excited you tactics-wise about um, what Steven Gerrard is going to do. Do you reckon that could be implemented straight away at Aston Villa? Do you reckon it would take time? How do you kind of see that? Yeah, I think it could. Um, I think it's we've sort of fallen apart compared to where we were last year. We made good progress and we were playing some good football too. But the team just looked sort of, you know, ideas had gone. But the, the main point being that sort of high press and attacking football, that's something we need to be playing with the sort of players we've got. And I think we've got a good fit in terms of like wing backs and stuff like that as well. So yeah, I think I think we should be able to play the football that Gerard wants. It just depends how long it could take to implement. But I mean if it, if he needs to sort of hit the ground running as well, considering the situation we're in in this season. We've lost five in a row and if he doesn't win in another five games then it's just gonna look even worse. So we are in sort of a rot at the moment and he does definitely need to hit the ground running. So yeah, the quicker that he can get his ideas across and you know get the players going the better. No, that's promising to hear. And it's, it's good to see how um, Aston Villa kind of just want to move on from their poor start from the season with Dean Smith. And I was one of those um, 
people that thought Dean Smith deserved the time because of what he's done for Aston Villa and what he's done for a club. But this is football. This is how it's like in this day and age as well, um, going forward as well. Um, but mostly, Scott, what I'm looking forward to hearing from yourself is how Rangers actually changed over the years from Steven Gerrard being there from before and after. Because obviously, they hadn't won the league for a good number of years. And they, uh, I think they were promoted a year or two before Gerrard came into um, first-team management. So I just want to know the main differences that Gerrard has left you as a club from where he actually um, entered as, as a manager, really. Without taking up all of your time, um, I'll cut the, the the kind of last ten years. A long story short, so obviously we got put down the leagues. Um, mm. It was the, a tough ten years um, for every Rangers fan, uh, to be completely honest. And we've seen some amount of dross, um, absolute garbage, come come and go. To be completely honest, and with Gerard, when he was appointed, things immediately felt different. It felt like, okay, this is a man with a stature. I mean, I know I say there's no one man bigger than the club. <clears throat> In terms of social media and whatever else, Gerard's got like 10 million people, I think, on um, on Instagram that follow him. I think Rangers' highest one that we have, I think, is about 700,000 on Twitter. Um, so, I mean, the difference is huge in that kind of thing and, and kind of stature. Um, he, is a, a, he was a, a, a world name. In football, everybody knows who Steven Gerrard is. Um, so, from pretty much the get-go, you could see that things had changed. We'd almost, as a football club, we had almost forgot that we were a big club. Um, we, we were a massive British club. Uh, I'd say I know a lot of people kind of look down on Scottish football and don't look at it as in the same way, but in terms of stature as a club, Rangers are a global brand. Um, there is no, there's no doubt about that. And Gerrard kind of gave us the belief back that we were, the way his attitude towards the press, the way he handled the press, he wouldn't really conform to the the snide wee questions that you would be getting asked from, because some of the journal, journalists up in Scotland are awful, I mean, truly terrible, uh, so they're immediately always trying to find something to, to kind of beat you with. And you know, we we tried to get them on the podcast, but like, oh no, we need we need like a, a fee or an appearance fee. I'm like, behave. Yeah. If you're not honestly. that big. You yeah, exactly. Out of and Livingston and these kind of teams. Yeah. I, one of but, those. Things. Sorry, continue. No, but then, as you say, the football started to change and the calibre of player that we were attracting started to, started to change as well because who wouldn't want to play football with Steven Gerrard? Who wouldn't want to learn from him? So things got rather exciting. Uh, yeah, and things didn't happen for him straight away. He always said that he, he needed three years to, to build the team and he'd done it in three years. I mean... We stopped Celtic winning um, the 10 in a row. Celtic were going for 10 in a row. Oh, I'll still caveat with saying that we weren't there for the first five or six of them, so it doesn't really count. Um, but the Gerard stopped it and he, he he brought Rangers back to where we belong, uh, where we feel that we belong. Um, if not, the, the most premier club in, in Scotland, but... Uh, back to being a top club again and even having a, a European standing. You mentioned there that you'd, you'd seen Rangers playing in the Europa League and arguably to me, Rangers should be playing in the Champions League um, or yeah, at least 
at least attempting to get to the, the kind of Champions League group stages. We might get put out more times than not, but that's the kind of level that I expect Rangers to be at. So he, Gerard completely overhauled the club and I'll be forever thankful to him. He is the guy that brought us our 55th league title and I, I've got pictures of him up on my wall behind me and I'll never I'll never forget what, what Gerard done for the club. Um, so Unbeaten league season as well, remember? Unbeaten oh, league season, yeah, which is unheard of really, to be completely mm. honest. It was it's kind of unheard of uh, for us for Rangers to do that, and he's he'll be missed, as I say. But there is, I'll always, I'll say it a few times, boy, on this podcast, no man is bigger than the club. So okay, that's it. Thank you, Gerard. You you, you done well for us. It's time for us to move on. And the the only downside of Gerard moving on is the t- the timing of it. But you have to respect the the man. And if I'm being completely honest, that the the standard of football would dropped off this season. We weren't quite the the force that we were last season, obviously last season is going to be put on a pedestal forever because it was 55 and it was an unbeaten season. But uh, even this year, you could see the standard wasn't there. And in hindsight, in hindsight, it's a beautiful thing. Um, you could kind of tell in his interviews and stuff, the zip, the, the intensity of him had kind of dropped off. So maybe, in a, I think in time, people will remember Gerard very, very highly. Uh, he won't be remembered as a legend, I don't think, because he didn't cement his his legacy by winning more than he did. Uh, however, um, he'll be remembered fondly as time goes on. Yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. And it doesn't seem that you're, uh, forgive me, but it doesn't seem that like you're very bitter or angry like a lot of these oh, Rangers right. fans are. So it's, it's good to hear a refreshing take on um, Stephen Gerrard as a manager of Rangers and his tenure there, which was a pretty successful one. And for me personally, one of my biggest highlights from watching uh, Stephen Gerrard was basically that time in 2019, December, I think it was. Um, when you beat Celtic at Celtic Park, which hadn't been done in like God knows how long. Yeah. That was, that was quite fun to see. And it was quite fun to um, see Gerard's celebrations as well after. I remember mm. that vividly because he's proper passionate about it. And you see a lot of managers these days all across Europe. You're just there like, yeah, just a handshake. Yeah, good game, good game. We'll just go back in the changing room. Mm-hmm. Probably clap the fans here and there, the away fans. But he's fully passionate, going into the camera properly, going up to his players, showing love and appreciation. And, you kind of need that in a manager sometimes, just showing you that you've done a good job and it was, it was a really good situation um, for Rangers at the time. But that, that was one of the positives from my um, distant knowledge of, of watching Rangers in, in the background, I should say, from there as well. Um, but no, Salim, what do you expect to see um, in terms of from Steven Gerrard as, as Aston Villa's manager now? Do you reckon there'll be a uh, swift change in formation, change in personnel? Um, do you reckon there'll be a higher intensity in attacking? What do you reckon there'll be from what you know of Steven Gerrard as a manager for Aston Villa? I think uh, just first thing I wanted to mention, actually, Scott, was, um, you know, after you won that 55th title, were you part of the fans that went to the stadium? Uh, when, uh, when Gerrard was driving in and there was, like, just fans everywhere? I think. N- no, I didn't go. Um, the reason I didn't go was when we won the that day, that the, the time you're talking about, that was the game we... Um, if we won that game, then Celtic would have to win every other one of their games. So it was near enough mathematically impossible. Uh, but I didn't go down for it. The reason I didn't go down for it is because I was doing a podcast after it. So I was like, I can't do that. I need to stay in and do the podcast after it. Dedication and all that. You've got to, you've got to be dedicated to do this. And then 
Um, you understand me. You understand me, Scott. Definitely. <laughs> exactly. So, and then the following day, when Celtic they Celtic drew with Dundee United away, which secured Rangers the title. Um, the first thing I did is I went to see my dad um, because my dad is the reason that I am a Rangers fan, and I still sit next to my dad um, at Ibrooks. We still got a season ticket next to each other. So, the first we did go down kind of past Ibrooks. I picked up one of my pals. It was also during kind of COVID times, so it was a bit dodgy, mm. like lockdown. Everybody was a wee bit unsure about what we could and couldn't do. And whatever else, but uh, I just went straight down to see to see my dad and spent a wee bit of time with him. I had a wee cuddle, had a wee cry with him because we were both very emotional about it all. To be completely honest, and then we came back up the road and we kind of drove around Glasgow a wee while. Um, but eventually, I, I just came home. Um, I sat down and my pal phoned me and he was like, "Do you think we should record a pod like now?" I was like, "Oh, we should." And we just sat for about forty minutes just talking about the achievement of fifty-five. Um, kind of shared a beer together and. Yeah, that was it, and I was I was overcome with emotion. Um, to be completely honest, that by the time we got to the end of that podcast, because ten years is a long time to see your club go mm. through what they went through. Um, it was a tough, tough time for a Rangers fan. It really was. Um, I don't think it will ever happen ever again. Now, due to the way that the the club is going to be run going forward, so. I don't see it ever happening again, but the the emotion of fifty five will um, will love me forever. And yeah, no, I, 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 see if it had been a normal times and not lockdown, mate, I would have been down there with twelve cans of beer, no problem at all, mate. Given it absolutely, but I, I decided that I would be slightly more sensible and go spend some time with my dad uh, and my best friend, and then I say record a podcast, which is pretty sad, and honestly, but that's that's what you do. Yeah, no, I, I just remember seeing videos and the scenes were like, you know, amazing. They were all over social media and, you know, everyone was watching, you know, the whole sort of, the whole world was turned towards Rangers that day, is, you know, what, what I would say. Question question is, um, who do you see replacing Stephen Gerrard? Would you take Frank Lampard as a manager or Gattuso as a manager? Would it be Van Bronckhorst? <laughs> That's a age-old question now that everybody keeps kind of asking me. My personal favourite would be uh, Van Bronckhurst, I think, just now. Purely based on his CV, um, he did really well with Feyenoord. Um, obviously, he's, he's then went to he's been on to China uh, and had to come back due to COVID. But even before that, he, he's worked under some pretty incredible managers, and he's did some co- did his coaching badges as well under pretty good managers. He was assistant to Van Gaal, I think, at one point as well, which is. All good, and it's the, the Holland philosophy of football, if you like, I think would match the players on the squad that Rangers have. The kind of 4 3 3, it'd be quite easy to kind of tweak it in order to make it work at, at Ibrooks. Um, Lampard, no. I, I, <laughs> I, like, I like Frank Lampard, I do, but I feel like it would be kind of unfair on him because I don't think he's a good a manager as Steven Gerrard. Um, I don't think his stature is as good as Steven Gerrard. So in a way, it would be kind of be like you've got a diluted Steven Gerrard as your manager and just because of the name of Frank Lampard. And that's no disrespect to Frank Lampard because I love him. Um, I've seen a few friendlies at Ibrox when Chelsea have been up and Lampard was great with the fans. He was absolutely tremendous. So uh, no, not him. And Reno Gattuso, I would love Reno Gattuso Gattuso purely for the comedy value of it because him in Scottish football again he would I think he would end up in the park fighting the referees and stuff uh, mm-hmm. he's just too much of a loose cannon for me uh, Gattuso he, he, he's had some big jobs but he was never really really successful at them and I just feel like the 
some of the decisions and the standard of football up in, in Scotland, um, it would drive him mental and he would probably sus- be suspended more time than he wasn't. So uh, I've seen Koeman, Ronald Koeman's name was getting thrown about today again, uh, but I don't think there's much in that. Rangers are keeping very tight-lipped on this and they tend to do this now under Ross Wilson. Um, the, the sporting director, the football director that we have, he, he, kinds, he keeps things very, very tight-lipped. So Gio was confirmed to Gio's agent. Um, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst's agent has come out and said that he'd spoke to Rangers. There is another two uh, we have on the, the shortlist that we seem to be very happy with, but nobody knows who they are, so um, everybody's just guessing. But my, my money would be on Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, and if it is, wait and you see Hamden on Sunday, if it's announced before the, the game on Sunday, it will be a sea of orange, I tell you that. You've got, um, is it a burning you've got on Sunday? Hibs, yeah, in the semi-final of the League Cup, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be at Hamden Park, so that'll be absolutely insane as well, full uh, full crowd capacity and everything. But mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's exciting times for Aston Villa, but almost from your perspective, exciting times for Rangers as well. It's just the majority from what I've seen and listened to um, over the last week or so is, um, damn it, Gerard, why are you leaving us mid-season type thing as well? Because it's like you said, Rangers are a team that you expect to be in Europe every other year, uh, Champions League or Europa League. And even for me as a Man United fan, I remember nights against Rangers in the Champions League uh, at Ibrox. It'd be intimidating games to be um, to be watching, let alone like if you were there as a fan, because it's just one of those um, stadiums that has such an imposing um, atmosphere, which, mm-hmm. which is great to see as well. Um, but no, thanks for the chat regarding Rangers. Hopefully um, you, you won't be bored by us talking about different types of manager styles and the Premier League going up um, for the rest of the podcast as well. So thank you very much for that, Scott. Um, but no, we're basically just going to be talking more about the rest of the Premier League coming up. I'm bored of the international break personally. There are a couple teams that I wanted to talk about in the international break, but I've just forgotten because that Rangers conversation was a lot more interesting to me than who's going to be in the playoffs for um, the World Cup next year as well. But that's fine. Um, but no, so I'm starting off for the weekend ahead. We've got Leicester versus Chelsea. So um, Brendan Rodgers, who is linked with a move to Manchester United as a manager, don't think he's going to go against Thomas Tuchel and his Chelsea side, who look like a force to be reckoned with as well. What do you reckon about this game coming up, Salah? Leicester or a Chelsea win? Mm, for me, it'd probably be a Chelsea win, 2-1, I think. And in the way that they're playing as well at the moment, and they've got such strength and depth. Like The conversations I have, I've been sort of hearing is the team with the best bench will win the title this year, is what like you know the, the team with the most strength and depth are basically going to win the title so it's, for me it's between them and City as it is not Liverpool but I don't know when you've got Liverpool and then you've got someone like Salah who's you know unbelievable form right now so I mean it's between them three anyway but I think it might come down to the team with the most depth at the end of it yeah that's true actually um, it's just one of those things. It's a long season. You've got the Champions League. They'll probably go into the FA Cup as well, Chelsea, like they always do. So it'll be quite good to see how they end up doing. Um, Scott, what, what do you reckon about Leicester versus Chelsea? First of all, are you a big fan of the Premier League? Do you tend to watch it, or is it more of a background thing for you? Um, it's having that, yeah, it's kind of background, mate. To be honest, uh, I see the Premier League. <laughs> this is pure. Like, that's the most Scottish thing to say. FIFA um, with the Premier League to me, it's just it's like. The whole money and aspect about it. It's hard when we live right next door to you, so it's like obviously it's a bit. We you usually usually the big massive shiny thing, and we are the we are the nothing really. We are not really anything. Um, but it's amazing how much Scottish football kind of consumes us. Um, so I mean, I do watch it when, when I can and when it suits. I work 
weekends as well sometimes, so I usually kind of work days that Rangers aren't playing, to be honest, so the times that I, I, t- I tend not to see too much football. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about both your teams. Can I do that? Yeah, go yeah, for it. So I'm a Man United fan and Salem's an Aston Villa fan, so by all means, so, go ahead. So, Sal, in terms of Villa, um, I'm just curious. I've not spoke actually spoke to a Villa fan since Gerard's yeah. took over. My, my big cousin, um, his dad is from Tamworth. Um, okay. Birmingham, so he's he's a he's a Villa fan, uh, but he's a Rangers fan as well. So, but I've not had a chance to speak to him. So, what do you where do you expect Gerard to take Villa? Do you expect Gerard to take Villa into top six material, or are you expecting him to kind of mid table and then possibly move on to Liverpool? No, no, definitely European football. So, whether that be top six, I think I think the thing is with the owners, Dean Smith should have had enough goodwill in the bank to to last the the season, but with them being so desperate to be in the Champions League and, you know, challenging for titles and stuff and with the amount of money they've pumped in, I think we had sort of the highest net spend across the top five leagues before. So we sold Grealish and made that 100 million there. So, yeah, I think for them, they they, they want somebody that's going to take us, you know, to Europe and hopefully even, like, you know, towards the Champions League. So, yeah, that's the, the aim has to be Europa League minimum sort of by the end of next season and then, you know, whatever else after that. But do you expect... If Gerard doesn't achieve that, that he'll be let go. Yeah, I think if he doesn't achieve Europa League by next season, he'll probably be let go. See that to me, that just means I think Gerard's took a risk. I generally do. <laughs> I, th- I think he's took a, a, a big risk. I understand. Obviously, you had the money from Grealish and whatever else, but yeah, I just feel it could go terribly wrong for Gerard. Look, if he achieves what he will, he wants to achieve with Villa and what's expected of him, he will be the next Liverpool manager. There is zero doubt about that. Literally zero doubt. But if he then gets let away from Villa before Klopp's decided to leave um, Liverpool, where does that leave him? Because they're not going to take him on if he's not been in football for the next, for, for like, say, a year. He's not been in football before Klopp leaves. Mm. So do you see it as a risk for Gerard? I, I think it's, well, anything's a risk because the thing is, he's coming to a team that's on poor form and, you know, we're all expecting him to have this new manager bounce and win, you know, beat Brighton. But the thing is, we lose the next three games and then we're back to sort of where we are now where, you know, the whole, there's like this sort of negativity around the fan base and stuff. Uh, it is a risk. His, I mean, from what I have read, Klopp's co- contract runs out in two and a half years and Gerard's contract is sort of three and a half years. So there is that year of compensation which we would get but that doesn't sort of mean anything if you're losing you know your man that's taking you that far I don't know that everyone's saying that he's definitely going to go for Liverpool but I, I don't know maybe he's got he might have some loyalty towards us and try and push us further but no he won't yeah. he told us that as well trust me he won't have he won't have the loyalty he told us that, that like three weeks ago didn't he he's like do I look successful do I look happy <laughs> exactly <laughs> three so weeks later it's done and dusted he's a very good media man is our Gerard so uh, yeah don't believe everything that he tells you um, look I would be lying if I said I wanted Gerard to succeed I don't want to see him fail but I, I don't want to see him hit the ground running which is Unfortunate for Villa, because obviously it would have a diverse effect on you. I just feel like he should have waited longer. Um, so, yeah. I, I'll ask you a question about Man U, if that's all right. <laughs> why, yeah, is, why is Rocha still in a job? <laughs> <laughs> why Why indeed? Oh, my goodness me. No, um, basically, because um, we were in like a group chat as well, I remember saying to the guys, I was, we were 2-0 down to Atalanta, and I was at the game in the Champions League. And I was literally like to everyone, I was fuming. And 
Um, Salim will tell you, I'm like the kindest, calmest guy on the podcast, but I was so irate. I was like, this is it. This is insane. This is awful. This is awful play. And then by the end of the game, I'm like going sue after everything, recording myself, set, set, shouting sue because we won 3-2. It's emphatic, but I was still like, social has got to go because it's not something that you can rely on individual brilliance. You can't rely on the, one of the best players of all time to bail you out all the time, when, which he has done this season. And it's the fact that last season we played really well without fans in the ground. Like we were one of the teams that actually benefited because we had that amazing away record and we'd always do well. We'd always be able to um, win because of social tactics of counter-attacking um, when you've, when you've um, absorbed, absorbed the attack from the other team, from the home team, I should say. And it worked really well for us. But this season, because the fans are back and because um, teams are almost back to normal, a lot of people have had a good rest over the summer. Some people come hot from the Euros and from the Copa America as well. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, if he's, in, if he's in the job for another year or so until the rest of the season, then that's Man United's, um, that's Man United's downfall. The rest of the league will thrive. You'll get teams like um, Leicester or Everton or Arsenal coming into that top six, that top four to kind of challenge. And especially with the likes of Antonio Conte going to Spurs, when we could have got rid of him that weekend, when Liverpool thrashed us 5-0 at home. Um, probably one of the most embarrassing moments as a Manchester United fan. The podcast afterwards was dreary. I listened back to it. And I'm like, I'm stumbling all over the place. And normally I can talk normally, but I was forgetting my words. I was forgetting what I was saying. And Salim wasn't even doing anything to annoy me. It was just the fact that I'm looking at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a background and I'm like, oh my God, it's still here in the job. Because that's the thing. A lot of his, his friends in the media, his Gary Neville's, his Roy Keane's are big influences in this. And it's the fact that when you're an actual fan and you're going to the game and you're paying your hard-earned money and you're watching this uh, week in, week out or month in, week out, uh, month in, month out, you're looking at it thinking there's so much more that we can build upon from what we have here. Solskjaer is not the man to build upon or to put your... Um, put your money into you wouldn't want it's like when you would see Sergio Aguero come through on goal in his first season and Bernardo Silva come through and go and sign you're like okay fair enough this this is what happens one day but then Bernardo Silva scores two three years later and it's the same problem every season basically we're looking at how to defend how to use the midfield with lackluster midfielders McTominay Fred Matic just passes best and you're kind of looking at it thinking there's all this blame on Paul Pogba for some reason and just it's all over the place for Man United fans. And they always need someone to blame like a scapegoat. But it's just the fact that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has to take the blame. Um, and we should have really gone in for a new manager. Ralph Ragnick would have been a good alternative option for the rest of the season. I really like his style of play. I'm actually studying about him at university as well in terms of his coaching drills. So I'm quite happy to learn more about him. But it's just one of those things that the Glazers just like a, a yes man in their, in their ranks. And that's what works with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and they don't care about if we win a league or if we win a trophy or a Champions League or anything. But the fans do. We're the ones that pay week in, week out to go and watch the games and we travel up there and back again. But it's just the case that I've accepted this since kind of like the Louis van Gaal era, to be fair. Like you're just there. Like if when something tends to get good, an FA Cup final and an FA Cup win, you have to then start all over again. Jose Mourinho winning the Europa League and then not getting backed and then not getting backed in the transfer window for the right players. Buying people like Dallow and Lee Grant, you're just there thinking... Fred, 52 million in that window. When Mares went to uh, Man City that same summer, the same money or less money than Fred, you're just there like, this, this negotiation team for Man United is awful. It's just all over the place. Uh-huh. It steadied the ship for a while, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but that ship is looking like it's going to sink anytime soon, from what I can see. 
Yeah, I see. From an outsider looking in, um, I just, when you come from the stature of manager that we grew up with, um, I don't know what age you fellas are. I'm I'm 33. Um, the Man United manager was Alice Ferguson, and when you see Oli Gosher, even in interviews, you see him. You're like, you're not a Man United manager, and I think he somehow knows that he's not a Man United manager as well. If that makes sense, and it's a it's a weird situation to be in. That's another thing you mentioned there as well that I find interesting about English football is. It's not really about winning things. It's, it's just like surviving almost, and the money's good enough just to survive, and that, which is mental to me. I mean, the difference in Scottish football is it's 170 million the bottom team in the Premier League gets because it's the parachute payment. That's right, isn't it? See, for winning the Scottish League, you get four million pounds. So the difference is incredible. So we have to do well in Europe and we have to do well in other competitions because it's where the TV money is, it's where the ticket money is. Mm. Uh, so that's that's where we have to be. Um, so it's just, And your it's, managers have to be well tactically as well because they can't always rely on individual brilliance or amazing players that just come through their academies um, and to just come through them. Because you can't... You, with a lot of signings to Scotland, most of them are from... Um, other countries in like Scandinavia and like Eastern mm-hmm. Europe as well. No disrespect to them, but it's like with um, when you're looking to buy someone from like rather France or from Italy, they'll have higher wage expectations as well for coming to the United Kingdom. So they'll be like, oh, I don't want to go to Scotland. I'd rather go to England, play for someone like like West Ham or Wolves or Watford or something like that. But it's just one of those things that's just the flip side of the money in terms of the SPL compared to the Premier League as well, which which isn't the best of things at the moment. Oh, but yeah, rant over for Ligue 1. He's going to be here for the rest of the season. It's, it's not going to be great. Um, but no, Salim, how do you think Aston Villa are going to do against Brighton and Hove Albion this weekend? Do you reckon Gerald will hit the ground running or do you reckon it will be uh, a Brighton win? They've done well so far this season. No, I, I think I think we'll get that new manager bounce. And um, Well, I'm going to go to the game anyway, so I'm looking forward to it. Hmm. But yeah, I think I think the fans are going to get behind Gerard because the fans didn't really turn on Dean Smith. That was quite an important point to make. That when normally when the team's doing like badly, sort of like you look, uh, um, the fans are all against the manager. But to be honest, there was the a worst small thing is the fans in our, the fans in our ground don't even turn on on the manager. It's the away fans that support the manager. Man City fans, Liverpool fans, yeah, yeah, cheering yeah, Ollie's at the wheel, yeah. and you're just there like this is embarrassing. This is worse than <laughs> Sorry, continue what you're saying, Salah. Yeah, so I think, I mean, there wasn't sort of like, I've seen, you know, I've probably seen like maybe 10 or 11 managers being changed since I've been supporting Villa, but I've never seen it where a manager's gone in this sort of way, you know, he's gone like with respect and dignity. So, yeah, I think I think we'll hit the ground running and I think we'll probably string a few wins together and get back on track. That would be good for you, but not really good for Scott because Scott would be like, Gerard, why didn't you stay until the end of the season? We needed you. We could have got into the Champions League next season through the qualifiers. Oh, man. That must have been annoying, though. Again, going back to Rangers, but like you know how your season was just one of the best seasons ever, but you were allowed to go in the ground. That must have been so annoying for you. Right. Yes, uh, that's... Uh, again, it almost adds to the fact that you'll never forget it because... We wanted more than anything to be there. Um, again, that's another reason that I went to see my dad as well, though, when we won it, was because I couldn't spend that. If we'd won that game, I would have been in that stadium next to my dad. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was very strange. And as well, this season, Rangers are getting kind of hit with the easy the easy bat of, or oh, your, your players can't handle it in front of fans. And 
I don't know how much there is in that. Ibrox can be quite a horrible place, to be honest, if things aren't going well. We as Rangers fans, if we're not up 2-0 within the first 20 minutes, we start to get a bit angry and start to get a bit money and every pass gets scrutinised, etc, etc. It's the way we are and it's the way we will always be. Um, we don't really make an apology about it. Uh, but I don't know if it is that. As I say, I think it's last season was such a high that there was always going to be a sense of anti-climax about this season, purely based on the achievement of it all and unbeaten and being 55 and the most successful team in, in club football. So it was always going to be one of them things, but I don't think it's going to do with anything to do with the, the fans. And look, I'm I'm acting like Rangers are not in a very good place. We are one game away from being in the next round of the Europa League. Um, if we beat Sparta, I think two now we have to win two now. Um, we are in the next stage of the Europa League. We're in a semi final win Sunday, and we're four points clear at the top of the league. So we're not in a bad place. Do you know what I mean? Gerard's left is in a very very good place, which again. Over the cut, over the days, I've been led to calm down. I'm going, well, he's not left us in a terrible position. Like he's left us in a. Pre- There's not many Rangers managers that have come into the job when Rangers are in such a position that they are. So uh, they've got a, a, a four point head start. So um, and to be honest, all we care about is winning the league this year because it, it all but secures us Champions League football, and it's about forty million to Rangers. The forty million to Rangers is that's. Game changing, really, for us, considering what we've been through in the past 10, 11 years. So it would be absolutely game changing. Um, so, but yeah, back to not being able to be there, it was uh, it was tough. But trust me, mate, we we sure made up for it in other ways, didn't you? Definitely. No, I, I can I can see that as well, which is which is a good thing as well. Um, but no, it's just um, with with the fact that fans are going back to their grounds as well. Even with Salim um, going back to the Villa games this season, me going back to the Man United games this season, we're just uh, thinking like. It's, it's almost like a blessing in disguise that we had the whole year out because we appreciate it a lot more now when we go to games. I'm pretty sure, Salem, you're feeling the same way about that. Win, lose, yeah, or draw, you a bit more appreciative about going back to games now this season. Yeah, definitely. I think I went to the last game before COVID stopped football. It was the, the Leicester away game. Yeah. Uh, Leicesterville. I remember travelling. I was at work in um, Warwick that day, uh, Leamington Spa, and remember finishing work and then getting changed at work and then sort of going going to the game and um, I never thought when I was walking into the ground that day that it'd be the last game I went to for you know over a year or something so it just shows how you know how things change for, for everyone and it affected everyone as well and especially people that you know do go to games like ourselves it hurts even more not being able to be there like Scott was saying that if he was if COVID didn't happen he would have been at the ground celebrating on that day so it just it was just things like that really that you really miss yeah it's more the yes it's that it's like the intimacy of like sharing your moments with like your loved ones like your friends or your family or your dad even um, Scott like you just mentioned as well so like you just said you couldn't share it in the stadium but you got to share it together at least which is a good thing as well um, from what's happened going forward as well oh man this has been this podcast has taken all these twists and turns today. I wasn't prepared for it when I started recording, but now it's been quite good so far. Um, but yeah, Salim, we'll end with a little quick fire prediction for the Premier League. And then, uh, Scott, I just want to, um, I'm going to ask you to do something at the end for us, just so you're aware. So we'll go through these little um, quick predictions. Burnley versus Crystal Palace. I think Burnley will lose to Crystal Palace. I think Patrick Vieira is doing really well with Palace at the moment. Uh, Conor Gallagher is doing really well in centre midfield and um, Eobard, someone who was playing for Celtic once upon a time, has now kind of hit the ground running as well for Celtic. 
uh, for Crystal Palace, I should say. Uh, Salem, how do you see this game going? Burnley or Crystal Palace? Oh, uh, Palace for me, definitely. The form that they've been in of late is uh, terrific. I think a lot of people wrote Patrick Vieira off, but it looks like he's proven his doubt is wrong. Yeah, that's true, actually. That is very true. He was written off as like the first manager to get sacked in the Premier League season. He's survived like four or five already, which is crazy, which is decent. Um, Scott, Newcastle or Brentford? Who do you reckon you'll um, who do you reckon will win this weekend? Or draw? Well, I like the other two teams. Like, see if that game was on TV. Like, sometimes they put games like that on Saturday night telly, and I can't understand anybody that wants to sit and watch Newcastle v Brentford. Honestly, it's um, a really <laughs> game to be watching as well. Like, the fans going from like one side of the country to another. Uh, yeah. To be fair, this one's at three o'clock, so it's not too bad. But it's like when you mention like a Saturday night game, it's like it's not it's not great for the fans as well. Um, um, I, would, I, I would definitely take a draw with that if I was putting a coupon on I would take a draw for that nah that's true um, Norwich versus Southampton hopefully just Southampton win Norwich are like the most boring team to watch in this team in this league um, Salim I'll let you predict Watford versus Manchester United because I don't want to start getting angry at myself um, before the evening's out over Manchester United so Watford versus Man United how do you see this game going Salim? Um, to be honest, I'd rather Man United win this, so it gives uh, Oli a few more games in the bank. Uh, so, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably go United 2-0. Um, yeah, we'll go for a 2-0 no Man United. But it's, it's like that Tottenham game. If you lost it, it would have been all over. It, would have been all, it wouldn't have been all over. The Glazers wouldn't care. They but wouldn't. imagine, people are saying like Tottenham lost, but they won because they got Conte in the end. So Yeah, I would have taken Conte. There are people in the media saying that he's not a Manchester United manager. But he's a manager. He can manage players properly. He can change systems and improve people who don't think that they need improving, which is which is the best thing. But onwards with it. I'm not going to get too upset over Manchester United so far. Uh, Scott, Wolves versus West Ham United. How do you see this game going? Um, especially for fellow Scotsman David Moyes, who's been probably one of the star managers of the season. Mm. Yeah, ex-Celtic man, no, uh, Moyes. Uh, but, that's that's well, something I have to throw. I'm glad you threw in there. Uh, but... No. <laughs> but no, uh, West Ham are flying. It really is. I think he was he was also treated a wee bit unfairly. I think during his manager career, um, I think there's there's definitely a manager in there, and it's coming to fruition with, with West Ham. I think his signings that he's made and the way he's built the team have been really impressive. Uh, I'll take a West Ham win for that, no doubt. Yeah, the way that they're playing, they beat Liverpool just before the international break, and they can only they can only carry on going that they, the way that they are, which is brilliant mm-hmm. to see. Fun attack in football from David Moyes, which is good. Um, Salem, probably the game of the weekend, Liverpool versus Arsenal. So we've got the battle of the Scottish uh, left-backs, Tierney versus Robertson. And the thing is, I'm sure Liverpool have got a few injuries as well this weekend. Mm. Um, I think Sam so. go... injured as well for Arsenal. So that was something that um, hit today as well in the news. I'm going to go 3-2 Liverpool. Hopefully it's an entertaining game. Hopefully it's fun to watch as a neutral, but hopefully Arsenal beat Liverpool because Liverpool are looking really good so far. Scott, Man City versus Everton. Where do you see this game going? Oh, Man City all day long for me. Everton are one of the teams that you you kind of expect to, to hit some, I hit a bit of form really through the, throughout a season. Um, I've always had a wee close eye to Everton as well because Walter Smith used to manage Everton. So I've always had a wee, not a soft spot, I've always just kind of watched out for them, I suppose. Um, I don't really have an English team, um, to be completely honest. If I had to pick one, I would. I used to be, I used to have Man United tops when I was younger, to be honest. Uh, I had friends in England, used to stay in, what's the place called? Buxton. Oh, right? yeah, that's near me. 
Yeah, so I used to stay in Boxton. Um, not spoke to them for years, but they've took me to Old Trafford and I got a couple of Man United top round. If I had to pick a team, I probably would pick Man United. Uh, but anyway, Man City, Everton, uh, Man City, all day long. I'll say 3 1 to, to City. 3 1 to City. And uh, Sam, just to finish it off, um, Spurs versus Leeds. Harry Kane after scoring all of these amazing goals against San Marino and Albania. Do you reckon he can turn up against the mighty Leeds United for uh, Marcelo Bielsa? Against Marcelo Bielsa? To be honest, he doesn't seem the same player. Like He plays well against San Marino, for example, but even I could probably perform against them. I'd put you up probably... against San Marino next time. <laughs> I'd probably go 1-0 Spurs. I think it'd be a tight game, but Leeds look quite burnt out. I think this season will have to be one of those tough seasons where they sort of regroup, kind of like how Liverpool had last year. So it'll be one of them sort of seasons where they... I don't think they're going to get relegated. I don't think they're going to sort of get top eight or anything. So they'll probably get mid-table, but they just need to sort of get through this season and then hit the ground running again next season, like how they have been under Bielsa, who's been great for them. Yeah, definitely. It's just one of those seasons that you just have to go through the motions, I imagine, just yeah. to survive, which would be the case. Um, yeah, that was our little predictions for the Premier League. And just to close off the podcast, Scott, I did want to ask you one vital question. That question is... Why do Scotsmen make such great managers and coaches? Oh, no, that's a question. Because um, I'm I'm studying coaching and management, so I'm like to my wife, should I move to Scotland? <laughs> kind of get get embedded and, and feel like a, a young Sir Alex Ferguson or a David Moyes or a Walter Smith or anything like this. But I just want to know the reason. Like, why? Like, is it the accent? Is it the determination? Is it the upbringing? <laughs> I, I really want to know this. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the accent. Um, I'm surprised you, you probably need subtitles for, for this podcast for your listeners to understand what yeah. I've been saying half the time. But no, um, they, they can learn Scott. They can learn the Scottish accent. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, cool. I think it's. I think it's the way that Scottish football is. It's like a. It's like a bubble. It's, it's like it's and it's just like a. It's like a, a storm in a teacup, really, because to a lot of people, it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on in Scotland, but there's so many things that happen in Scottish football. It is the league, genuinely, I'm not kidding on, the, the, the top league that Rangers and Celtic and Aberdeen River play in is terrible. It's not a good league. The way it's structured is terrible. We do a crazy split at the end of the season, which it makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Um, you've got the SFAR, a joke, to be completely honest. So I think, generally, it's the ability to... You learn how to overcome things as a Scottish manager and you're not really afraid to get things wrong. Um, and down towards the lower leagues, football and... I mean, football in summer in Scotland is bad huh? most of the time, but football in the winter in Scotland can be quite a horrible place. It's never good. The amount of times I go to Ibrox during a season and I know I will be absolutely soaked by the time I leave and by the time I'm walking home, it is inevitable that it will happen. It's probably resilience, yeah. Resilience and learning to overcome absolute nonsense. But I, I would I would be lying if I knew the answer. I would be telling lies to that. But you've, you've got to shout. Scottish managers tend to do pretty well. Um, many are in the Premier League just now. Yeah, so you've got David Moyes, you've had Sir Alex Ferguson, mm-hmm. Aston Villa have had Alex McLeish as well, Salim, you've got um, Gary McAllister as the assistant manager, or one of the assistants yeah. at Aston Villa as well, currently at the moment. I think Paul Lambert, he wasn't he wasn't that bad, he was Scottish. Paul he was Lambert, decent yeah. in Norwich as well, he was at Aston Villa as well, I think, Paul Lambert. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walter Smith, like you mentioned as well previously at Everton, and 
Um, he was an assistant coach at Man United as well, once upon a time, Walter Smith mm-hmm. was. So, so it's not too bad. And um, obviously you've got the, the late Jock Stain from Celtic, your arch nemesis is across the, across the <laughs> city, but we don't have to mention him any longer. Which is <laughs> fine. Yeah. I'm just going to, sorry, I was just going to mention Scott. Uh, I've been sort of like, I do sort of like, I don't follow the, the SFL, uh, sorry, SPL properly, but I think it's a bit strange because, what is it, all the teams play each other twice and then... Uh, no, we, we play, times. we yeah, three times. We you play every team three times, and then you split off into a top six and a bottom six, and then you play every team and the top. You play the other five teams and your top or the bottom, but another time, if that makes sense. So yeah, look, it's something the SFA come up with. It's a joke. It really is. It's just an absolute joke. And it is Scotland is one of the places you can end up. I think there was one season about two seasons ago we played Kilmarnock seven times in one season due to, meet, due to meeting them in the in the league in the top six when there was a split and in the two cups. So you play the same team seven times. I mean, nobody wants to pay to see that. But it's the nature of the beast of Scotland and. I've said it a million times on our podcast. Scottish football is shocking. The way the league is structured is terrible, but it's my league and it's where my team are. So yeah. I'll just persevere with it because I'll never not be a Rangers fan. I think another point on this, the coaching part was um, maybe it's due to sort of, um, not in a disrespectful way, but sort of the quality being sort of lower. As in like you can't just attract like a big match winner that's going to come in. I think there's more emphasis on sort of coaching and Sort of, pre- you know, preparing a well-rounded tech like a team to, you know, tactically. I think there's more emphasis on tactics than on sort of individual brilliance. Maybe, maybe that's just you know an aspect of it that there's more. Uh, like they'd probably study harder coaching-wise because they know that they're not going to have, you know, like hundred million pounds to spend on these kind of players. And you know, all the teams are probably more competitive in that sense. Because I'll be honest, when we were in the championship, I'd probably say the championship was a, a more entertaining league than the Premier League was. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the players were sort of, the quality was lower, obviously, but there were still some good players and anyone could beat anyone, which was sort of the best part about the championship. You know, you could be sort of 10 game losing streak and beat the team that's at the top. And that that would happen on a weekly basis. It wasn't even like a shock result because they were happening so often. I mean, if you look at us, when we got promoted, we were like, we'd just lost to Wigan 3-0. Uh, away from home uh, we were like 15th in the table or something and then you know we we drew one and then we won 10 in a row so we we were nowhere near that promotion picture and we shouldn't have been but the run that we put together and the year before that Fulham did the same where they sort of went on a run towards the end of the season and got promoted as well so yeah so I, I just think maybe the due to sort of circumstances that the league is in there's more emphasis on you know, being a better coach and tactically prepare, preparation and things like that. Yeah, what I will say is when Gerard first came, he, he he struggled to overcome the the park the bus that most teams tend to do with Rangers when they come to Ibrooks, especially. Um, yeah. As you would expect, a, a draw to them at Ibrooks is a great result. Um, so they yeah. tend to just park the bus, and Gerard struggled with that for a while. Um, however, obviously he's going to be moving to the, the Premier League now. Well, most teams go out and attack. That's pretty much what the, what teams do. So. Gerard will do well if that's the case. If it's going to be all out attack, then Gerard can put together a rather attacking team that will do a high press and he expects a lot from his players. He expects a, a right shift from them when they 
when they're on the park. So I'm interested to see how Gerard does. I generally am. Um, right now, as I said earlier, I probably wouldn't wish him all the best, but I don't particularly want him to fail either. I'm kind of in that middle ground. Um, somebody described it as, it's like your wife's just left you for another man. And that's kind of the way it felt, to be completely honest. Um, so, but I mean, we'll wait and see, but... It could work for Gerard. It, it, it might not. I think you probably will win at the weekend. I would imagine you'll beat Brighton. Um, I think it will get... Once he gets the next transfer window under him and decides what kind of business he's going to do, if any, um, it'll, that'll be the right time to kind of judge him after that, I think, towards the end of this season to see how he's getting on. Uh, yeah, from what from what I understand, he's sort of analysing his squad right now and I think him and his team are sort of... Well, him and the coaching staff are putting together sort of recommendations that there is going to be money to spend from what I've heard about 60 to 100 million approximately to spend but but, but this is the thing in the Premier League like every team's got a 50 million pound striker like it's just such a normal thing where and, and that's why I think it'd be refreshing to have somebody like Gerard and then and his coaching team as well that have got this sort of expertise that they've built up because when Gerard did take the Rangers job at the time and Lampard Chelsea job sort of similar times and um, you know everyone was like oh he's only going to Rangers like you know that's that, that's not a good job kind of thing and you know Lampard's got the Chelsea job you know he's done he's done way better and so John Terry was our sort of assistant assistant head coach so at the time everyone thought that, oh you know what Lampard's you know clearly clearly won from from this and Gerard sort of picked out the short straw but when you look at it now the amount that he's developed in them years at Rangers and if you look at what's happened to Lampard not that he's sort of a poor manager, but maybe he should have gone down that route and, you know, improved on his coaching first. You know, it was first, well, he was at Derby first, to be fair. But but still, you know, you look at Gerard and how well he's done. And that's from Scottish football. So I think a lot of people do try to knock Scottish football. But there's clearly something there that the Premier League doesn't have. I would agree. And I would agree as well. So much to learn from Scottish football. Um, especially in the manager sense as well. Um, Scott, this has been a great podcast. It's been great to have you on. Um, next time we'll go to Pollockshaw Road in Glasgow. We'll go to a restaurant called Buddies, which is very nice. And I like going to Glasgow. It's a nice city for me to go and visit, especially being near Loch Lomond. So if you ever get a podcast in the future, hopefully next summer or something, we'll come up and we'll come for a joint podcast um, somewhere in Glasgow, which will be good. Salim, thanks for um, coming on the podcast. It was great to see you again. Um, if you are going to Birmingham, I'm, I might go Birmingham as well if you're going on Friday. Are you playing football yeah. this Friday? Uh, no, I was just going to say that if you do go, then make sure to wear that Welcome to Celtic thing, that T-shirt. <laughs> nah, I, I use it for like, it's like one of those, like, you know, when you're doing uh, painting or like... Do uh, you, you clean the toilet with it? Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll clean certain rooms, but not the toilet <laughs> with that. I don't even... Uh-huh. I was like, I'll probably just give it to charity or something like that. But no, um, it's, it's one of those things that I'll, I'll, I'll do. I'll probably get a Rangers shirt now, uh, now that we've had Scott on the podcast. But everyone, thanks for listening. Um, we'll leave a poll in in the Spotify chat as well, which will be quite fun as well. Um, Scott, Salim, thanks for your time. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>